A Christian mind is not one that is trained to think only about Christian topics. It is a mind that has learned to think about everything from a Christian perspective. Christianity provides a comprehensive view of the world. Christianity is a worldview. Worldviews are the grids. They are the lenses through which we frame all of reality. <laughs> okay, episode 64, the Black Berea podcast. Um, Mary's here, joined by Gabby. Gabby. And, and a very special <laughs> guest, drum roll, please. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds mad scary on your ear. Sorry, guys. Sorry. But we're joined by a special guest. He hasn't been on the pod since episode 49. You lie. Yeah, yeah, episode Crazy. 49. Episode 50, technically. But um, yeah, Israel's here. Israel, how are you? I'm good. Dialing in from St. Louis, I yeah, think. St. Yeah, St. Louis, Missouri. Straight up. Yeah, this look- accent. You like that, isn't it? <laughs> straight up, <laughs> straight up. Uh, it was where he wants to be, man. Is it? He's enjoying the American life. <laughs> you've been, you've been in America since September of last year. Am I right? Wrong? Yeah. So I, I got there first of August, technically, but so you've been started there really, classes yeah. September or beginning of September. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So how how is how's the adjustment been in terms of doing seminary in America, and then maybe how is like the recent events as well? How has that been? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Adjustment has been wild, um, and I think it, it, it's a, a combination of things from one moving to another country, but also moving out of the city. Like where Covenant Seminary is, is more sort of I guess the beginning of the suburbs of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even that context is different and that's been an adjustment the roads are wider um like mm-hmm. i'm used to in london when you see when you look at a map you can pretty much gauge if something's like a 10 to 20 minute walk um but the spacing in st louis is not the same um mm. so even to go down the road that's like 45 minute walk uh which is why no one walks <laughs> are you driving up there uh, no well i'm like you know pursuing driving license but um mm. I don't, driver's I don't aid? Car. Is that driver's aid? Nah. <laughs> driver's, what, what are you trying to say? Sorry. I swear it's called driver's aid, right? Oh, that's them? well, yeah, they, they have that, but that's. You don't understand what you were saying. Teenager. That's a mess. <laughs> 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 that's <laughs> that's what you're saying. Teenagers, just... I've heard. Like, oh. I basically just, for me, it's just like getting a permit, practice a couple of times, and then take the test, essentially. like. Okay. The, the driving. The driving test is a lot simpler in the US than it is in the UK. That's what I've heard. From what I've seen when I've compared the two. Like, yeah. <laughs> Guys passing the US, get back to the UK and say, what? Is this driving? <laughs> and the roads, yeah, you can afford to make, I think because the roads are bigger, you can afford to make a lot more mistakes. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. Enjoy it while you're out there. Yeah. Enjoy it. Like you could, I mean, I think to get from Covenant to my church, you maybe make three or four turns. Okay. And that's But it. how like, long is the turn- drive? I mean, it's like 20, 25 minutes. <laughs> five minutes, you, three or four times. You basically turn right onto the interstate and then you go all the way down for like 15 minutes and then you turn left and then right and it's like you're there. That's going to be where this motorway. Yeah, so you don't like, I mean, but in London to drive anywhere, you're doing, you know. The, um, if Waze is directing you, you're certainly doing left, right. <laughs> every side road. Don't come for Waze, please. Bear roundabout as well. <laughs> 
Yeah. Waze loves yeah. to make you tell you to turn everywhere. <laughs> Waze will tell you to turn a left that you really did not need to tell you. Really did then not need to tell now. you. I'm like, sometimes I think Waze is trying to give you the longest route possible. I said, are you no. actually trying to spite me? What's that? No, not that I drive. No, no, no. I'm not. Actually, <laughs> drive. I'm not feeling this wastelander. I'm not feeling the wastelander. Are you a wasteland? Anyway. Yeah, man, I that's, love Waze. That's actually incorrect. <laughs> You know the people that try and do so many sidesteps that you've actually it's just you've made it longer than it needs to be. Sometimes oh. just stop at the traffic light. It's not every day turn yeah. left, right, right, right to avoid the traffic light. Yeah, Waze is, is always trying to avoid a traffic light. It's not that but deep. No, but ha- Sometimes stop <laughs> at the traffic light. <laughs> but yeah, how have you found like the classes? How have you found the culture, the city of St. Louis? Like, how's that all been? Mm. Um, classes I've enjoyed. It's been nice to finally kind of like allow my nerd to flourish. You know. And to That's go good, all man. in, um, reading. Wait, wait, was your, was your nerd on? Was your nerd on restrain previous? It was on restrain. Oh, oh wow, we didn't know you've leveled <laughs> up try, in there. Trying to, trying to <laughs> adult and be a theology nerd is harder. It's hard. Yes, but... that's a, that's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been enjoying that. The classes, the conversations, the discussions around like um, different topics. You know, trying to learn Greek. I mean, I t- hey. technically, I learned it. I don't. I don't know how competent I am just yet, but like getting the handle on that was was has been really fun. Mm. Um, moving. What was the other one? The city. Yeah, um, yeah, like adjusting to the city. Yeah, it's been. I mean, I had culture shock maybe three, four times <laughs> over the past years. Definitely, I'm. It doesn't help that it. you know. Since moving to London, I've only ever lived in London. So I didn't even have the whole UK um, undergrad experience of going to like Nottingham or Manchester yeah. when you leave your, your home yeah. and you really go out. Like I didn't, it was just like London is all I know. Um, and St. Louis was a huge shift. And I just had times when I would be on my on my laptop and I'd just look at pictures of of like Hammersmith. And, oh, the um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, reminiscing. Uh, it's real like i have watched so much british tv like just things oh yeah, yeah it's it's a lot of culture shock basically and like missing london and reminiscing and um but even in all of that I, i've actually really come to enjoy st louis oh, um, good, as a city yeah it's a lot smaller um i think has three million people here okay um, what's the demographic like it's very sort of segregated, as you can imagine. Okay. Yeah. Um, so like North County, they have it's essentially you have St. Louis City, which is I think somewhat diverse. Um, mm-hmm. but it's more like you know the central, like central London downtown area they would call it. Um, whereas like universities slash, um, upscale kind of like gentrified neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um poor downtown area then you have like north county which is predominantly black west county is like the um middle class suburbia south counties middle class working class still Mm -hmm. predominantly white um and covenants on the border of like st louis county west county um so if you go west you go into like the heartland of suburbia if you go east you're going into the city um, area so it's been interesting just seeing that so the way it's sort of like sectioned um and you definitely see the the changes you drive around yeah um, and you pick up on that i had the um, opportunity to visit a african-american missionary baptist church 
okay. in North Carolina. That was amazing, man. Let me tell you, when I oh, I, I <laughs> I've I've watched like you know Charlie Dates and whoever online, um, but to actually get to visit a traditional African American Baptist church was 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 sweet. Yes. <laughs> and mm-hmm. how's how's like the recent like racial tensions that are, is sweeping across America? Like how's that impacted you? Yeah, um, it's been hard. I mean, just I had to take a break from social media even for like mm. just in in response to to all of the things I was seeing. Um, so that was a lot personally. St. Louis has a, a, a an unfortunate history already that has been long standing. Um, mm-hmm. Ferguson is like ten minutes away from covenant seminary um and so it didn't take like st louis st louis was one of the earliest cities to start protesting um mm. in response as, especially after um the george floyd murder it was one of the earlier ones and it's still ongoing now um so st louis has been very consistent i would say at least in contrast to other cities and that's because mm. it has its it, like it essentially it reopens old wounds that are already mm persist in the city right now um and that's been you know covenant's had some conversations i shouldn't speak for the seminary <laughs> covenant and i should let me say covenant gave a statement um decrying racial injustice uh and on campus with among students there's been a very i think good healthy conversation about um, what it looks like to actually stand against racial injustice and to um speak out um, for the marginalized and things like that which has been encouraging for me to see um, because I think one of the hard things for for black people, people of color in majority white spaces is the fear of like, can I be free to actually just um, lament and cry and share my pain? Or am I going to be met with, you know, sloganeering and um, gaslighting? And mm. so I think people are covered in being very mindful to to give that space for for others to feel free to actually speak about this truthfully. Um, to speak about it authentically and not have to try and like mm. coat the way you present things because you're trying to not to start a debate but to actually just say hey you're free to just let it all out and um for us to work together and seek ways in in which we can actually work towards justice mm. that's encouraging to hear that's yeah. very encouraging to hear. very gabby how you been i'm good man chilling yeah technically today is the first day of annual leave and you're leaving okay. my house. Say it my house. <laughs> oh. Um, but it's a nice, it's a nice... Um, Gabby's in the we... streets. Excuse me? Don't call my what? name like that, please. Rude. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, lockdown is still... In... I said Gabby's in the streets. What do you think I said? I heard you. I'm not in the streets. I'm oh. in my house. I'm in my house. I'm in my house. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. You're, 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 you're on public governmental records. <laughs> you're on the, let the record the show. Street. Definitely <laughs> social distancing in her house. Fair enough, fair enough, fair um, enough. Yeah, I'm okay. Um, I say annual leave. It's one of those ones where you're not going to do work, but you're going to do the rest of your life working it. So we'll see. Oh, fair enough. Uh, yeah, so today we're doing uh, Ox BB. I think Wait, Mary, how are you? Mm. Oh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm good. Someone's like, yeah, I'm cool, 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 cool. Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm doing better, so that's that's. I'm really happy about that. So yeah, I'm good. Um, mm. But yeah, guys, we're doing Ox BB part 10. So we haven't done a ox bb in a minute so we asked you guys to send us some questions so we're gonna go through that um so yeah hopefully that's helpful again you know send us more questions and you can either send it to us on our curious cat 
uh, our email, you can tweet us, you can DM us, and hopefully we'll be able to answer it on the on the episode. Also, a quick plug before I forget, we just released a new article um, called mm. Are You Okay? Um, mm. by Anthony Apoku. I'm looking at a lot of us who are going through anxiety and worry and what the Bible has to say about it, the encouragement we can get as a believer. So quick plug if you can read it. But yeah, first question, let's just jump into this, yeah? You guys ready? Ready. You guys ready? Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> How do you know if you should pursue someone? As a guy, I'm interested in a few sisters. What should I use to pick the one to pursue? A <laughs> few <laughs> <laughs> sisters. Must be nice. Mm, no comment. Obviously, obviously, I'm gonna go to the the engaged man, hey. soon to be married man, Israel. So hey. yeah, very soon, right? Very soon. Yeah. Very like 40, very very soon time days you should know the days bro <laughs> <laughs> i was surprised that he needed days i said guys really need days out here <laughs> N- okay. nice because i think uh what's today what monday um i think on saturday rachel and i spoke and she mentioned it was like 43 or 42 days and you're like, oh, so i'm thinking it's like i guess 40 i don't know something like that. i don't know okay, okay. um yeah <laughs> so yeah how do you yeah how do you know if um, you should be someone so you're interested huh. in a few, this brother's interested in a few sisters. Like, what should he use to to pick the babe? What should he use to pick? That's uh, um, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, so I guess there's a different. There's a couple of ways you could you could posture this. I guess the first thing to say is that like you're free to pick. I guess you don't like. I don't think you, the the goal isn't to find the one. You know. Um, a sieve if you don't find that one particular one um your dating life or engaged period or marriage will be cursed because you picked the wrong one um so there's a freedom to i guess pick uh i mean yes i i would also say so that's one side just to say that there's that freedom to to just pick mm-hmm. um but also, I think chemistry, assuming these are all, so I'm assuming this guy is a Christian and I'm assuming the sisters are Christian. I mean, even the language of sisters. I yeah, so see, when you call someone sisters, yeah, you know that yeah, a believer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to assume that we're talking about uh, a, a solid Christian guy looking at solid Christian women such that um, like the Christianity piece isn't a distinguishing feature across like the three or four women in mm-hmm. that way um assuming that's the case i think chemistry then would be would be a huge part and chemistry includes all things from attraction to just the ability to get along with each other um shared um interests and concerns what seems to be a you know sort of like oh you two kind of experience with with the other Mm. um i think that's a big piece and usually that that kind of line of uh thinking can be answered by literally closing your eyes and saying if if you if god were to present you with just one who's the first person that comes to your mind typically Mm. for a guy that the person that comes to the mind first there's a visceralness to that you know there's a kind of like when you when you just stop and you picture yourself with one that's the first person it's 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 I haven't, I'm yet to meet anyone who does that and then has four different people come up to their mind at the same time. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's a helpful piece. Uh, and yeah, 
so I would say chemistry uh, outside of the the Christian piece, um, mm. and maybe even just speaking with with others. There's wisdom and counsel. Proverbs says, you know, um, finding two or three. You know, don't too many cooks spoil the broth. Don't you know? Now be doing social media posts and polling or nothing. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, Pick the one. Can you imagine? But, but like two people. Which one should I pursue? Go, oh, father, please, please, please. <laughs> on social media. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could you could probably speak with your pastor and say, "Hey, here's my situation. Here's what I'm thinking," and the pastor, being the pastor, will most likely have uh, insight that would be very helpful for you um, in in thinking through that. Um, maybe like a close uh, brother friend who you also like trust to to speak truth to you about your maturity, about where you are um, mm. and what that means for even your interest and thoughts about pursuing somebody in general. Um, outside of that, I would say, you know, read uh, and listen to to sound um, Christians and sermons on, on marriage and relationships. I think all of that provides insight. I only have one to recommend, R.C. Sproul's, the late R.C. Sproul's uh, teaching series, The Intimate Marriage Mm. Um, it's a one i think it's the second best marriage teaching series outside of meaning of marriage by tim keller of course keller count so, straight away every day minutes in. <laughs> no a podcast can pass without keller is he paying you money i don't know <laughs> <laughs> so that's not my job i'm trying to collect the bag <laughs> but but honest, I, I think that's not even argued i think most people would say that is probably yeah. the best book on christian mm-hmm. marriage it's the default yeah. from what I've heard, every sort of premarital type of thing is that usually makes an appearance in the in the, in the curriculum. List. Yeah. But in the intimate marriage, I, I really like that teaching series because it takes a more like it obviously it has the the theological groundedness as you can imagine from RC Sproul, if you know RC Sproul. Mm-hmm. Um but it also has a very visceral human element to just what it means to pursue um companionship mm. um and to actually find someone that you can walk along with in this thing called life and i think that part um and hearing you know he would talk a bit about his story um and his marriage and um hearing that part and that intimate aspect is actually really helpful um, for thinking about okay who do i want to actually spend my the rest of my life and pursue companionship mm. with um the gritty you know non-sexy everyday experiences of life because the whole romantic thing is a is an up and down experience like it's it's there but it definitely isn't the 8 a.m tuesday morning rush to work (laughs) kind of experience yeah yeah good points man gabby anything anything you want to add i think i think i'm i think i want to say um Everything Israel has said is entirely correct. I think I'm probably going to add a slight note of caution. Okay. Um, I think the language of like, who should I pick? Um, is probably he said, something. He said, what should I use to pick? The one to pursue. Yeah, what should I use to pick? Yeah. So, um, the picking language, I'm guessing, is what you're... Yeah, I think the, the language of picking. And I think it's something for, mm-hmm. uh, for for all of us, men and women. But I suppose, given the dynamics of pursuit um, within, within the within the church, within the faith, maybe something for men to be particularly mindful of. Like, I think, um, obviously, that can be said without any malicious intent and, like, very sincere and very innocently. I think, But I think it is probably wise to guard against a consumerist approach to 
pushy. Hmm. Um, I think there is a certain power, there is a certain power dynamic um, and it can feel, and I think, yeah, it's probably just a moment to pause and guard against the, the, um, the disposition that sits down, has many women um, mm. or, and almost like ass- assesses them in almost in a, in a competitive way. Um, this one earns this and looks like this, but this one, uh, you know, she's more like this. She's more godly and she can cook. But this one, you know, she can cook, but she like that that kind of approach, almost like weighing them against each other. Um, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it's not the healthiest not the healthiest mentality to have. No, obviously asking that question doesn't necessarily mean you have that mentality, but I think it's something to guard against. Um, and I think it's, yeah, to remember the, um, the yeah, to, to, to even in your thought process, be thinking about that in ways and correcting yourself um, in ways which, which, which remind us of the, the dignity and and humanity of, of the women that we we're thinking of pursuing. Um, and I find it's interesting to ask, like, which one, which one is, which ones are you friends with? Like, mm-hmm. are, are any of these women your friend? Because I think it's something that Israel spoke to, like, um, like companionship is yeah, friendship. But is this person your friend? Like, do mm-hmm. you get along once you finish doing uh, honeymoon activities? Um, mm. Do you, like, are you cool? Do you get along? Do mm. you enjoy each other? Mm. Um, so yeah, and it's in, some of them might not want to be picked by you also uh, <laughs> it's, and I think that speaks up to the power dynamic I'm going to pick mm. that, I, I think yeah we have to guard against that um, um, yeah it's, it's not it's not a consumerist I'm in mm. the aisle which one do I want to take off the, sh- the shelf energy you want to have about mm. it it's, it's, it's um, yeah, who can I walk in godliness with who mm. can I walk in joy and fun and friendship and God willing mm. parenting and, and, and life with. Um, mm. So, yeah, so everything is well said with a slight note of caution against some language that, yeah, we just want to check against, yeah, and, and guard against that kind of thinking. Yeah, yeah, helpful points, helpful points, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, next question. There's a growing group of Christians who don't believe the Bible is inerrant. Do you think you can be a Christian and deny the scriptures reliability? Would you say the Bible is perfect? What do you think, Mary? There's a growing group of Christians who don't believe the Bible is inerrant. Do you think you can be a Christian and deny the scriptures reliability? Ugh. I think I think you can be a Christian. Um I think it's techie ground. Um I'm just thinking of like John John 17, where Christ is praying for his people and saying, um, yeah, like lead them in truth, your word is truth. Um thinking of the, the spirit's role in in leading us to to believe the word, kind of that internal testimony. So for me, of course, we're saved by by the works of Christ and us putting our faith in Him. So that that's what saves us. But how are we gonna be um, discipled to grow in grace if we're not trusting and and finding um, the the scriptures to be our guide? Um, I think I think it'd be interesting to see why they don't believe it. Um, would I say the Bible's perfect? I'm just trying to think of the scriptures that talk about um, the law. The, is it the law? The law is perfect. Someone tell me. Someone help me, please. When it's when it, there's a there's a scripture that enlightening. Um, yeah, like the, the, the law. The Lord is perfect. Yeah, there's, it sounds there's, like a song. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, mean, so many... I, I feel like that, that line comes up a couple of times in Psalm. Yeah, yeah in, in Psalm. Psalm. So and there's there's yeah. so many um, scriptures that talk about um, the Bible being uh, necessary for reproof. So the man of so the man of God will be competent. I think that's in Timothy. Yeah. So there's there's too many passages about the Bible's reliability. Even when talks when Peter talks about um we have a more sure word of prophecy. I think that's in Second Peter. So even saying that you know what we have now is even greater than us seeing seeing 
the Lord um, bodily again like just another reminder of the scripture being valid like there's just too many examples that we have of just the bible being able to say for itself that it's reliable and it should be trusted for a believer so if if there are a growing group of christians who who are beginning to deny that then you wonder like what 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 gospel like are you believing in especially when when christ Mm -hmm. um is saying even points to the old testament and says these things speak of me Mm -hmm. um and then actually tells the apostles to, to to continue in his work so he, he he almost like validates the apostleship going ahead, and he mm-hmm. and he validates the the writers and the authors of the Old Testament. So, which Christ mm-hmm. are you trusting in? If you're not trusting in the in the Christ that's told you that these words can be believed, um, so mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I'll be I'll be worried. I'll be worried. I won't lie. What what do you guys think? Mm-hmm. What do you think, Gabby? <laughs> the mad delays where people are thinking the podcast has paused. <laughs> like, is, it, is it working? Is it buffering? No, we're just quiet. I think everything. Every, <laughs> Everything that Mary said, I think, can you be a Christian? Um, maybe yes. It, um, probably, probably yes. Um, will you be a Christian that's going to mature or flourish? And are you on a slippery slope? Definitely yes. And I think probably quite a fast, slippery slope. Um, so you might be a Christian, but like, um, what does the longevity of that look like? Because... Um, yeah, uh, uh, what framework do you use to delineate which parts of the Bible you think are legitimate? Um, and I think the people that kind of have this school of thought that we've kind of seen c- come through on, on socials, um, yeah, I think the Old Testament, uh, sorry, the New Testament, and uh, well, specifically the Gospels, they think they reveal Jesus to us. Um, but anything that Jesus doesn't explicitly restate from the Old Testament, they're not taking. That's a very, 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 uh, yeah, terrible just terrible approach to have precisely because of what mary said that jesus calls the old testament the scriptures um so he 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 takes the um the book of the law of scriptures he takes the pentateuch of scriptures he talks about the prophets and so if jesus if you're going to hold to the gospel and say this is anything we believe but the gospels bear witness to the old testament um so you're going to say we believe jesus on this but not on this and that's where the difficulty comes um how how do you yeah if if some of it is not legitimate, why is any of it legitimate? Um, mm. um, and and you do you can't help at that point but chip away at the gospel. You, mm. you, in, inevitably, we'll come to that come to that point. Um, I think it, yeah, it's probably it's something that we discussed. Probably needs a, a longer um, conversation. Um, but ultimately, like we, I think as Christians, for those of us who believe that all of the Bible is God's word, that's not something to take for granted, and it's something to mm. pray into that the Lord, because it is a work of the Spirit. The, um, mm-hmm. the Spirit testifies to us that these are God's words and, mm-hmm. and that they give life. And so we pray, the Lord, we, I pray that you would have me always believing that this is your word, um, even when I struggle struggle to believe that, struggle to understand it, uh, doubt mm-hmm. it. Would you would you keep me believing that? Because ultimately, it is a work of the Spirit. Um, yeah, and I suppose for the Christian who is um yeah trying to legit like cut off certain parts of the bible you have to ask at that point what is your ultimate authority um because if you're going to use your reason to um sever parts of the bible your ultimate authority actually no longer is god's word it's your reason um and there has there has to be one Mm. that sits on top um and if you're going to say your reason is your ultimate authority a your reason is fallen um and, and and you're fallible, um, hmm. but be your reason. Will, will as we see many other Christians do contempt in the contemporary circumstance and historically, your reason will cause you to sever parts of the gospel that you just don't like. 
Mm. I, th- I think I think the people that have been talking about this online don't really want to believe in hell. So you're going to hold the Gospels, but when Jesus talks about hell in the Gospels, you can see how that reason just, you, you basically just delete what you don't like. Um, yeah, yeah and, and you'll be left with no Christianity at all, no no Gospel at all, no Jesus at all, really. Um, so yeah, you might be a Christian, but I'm not sure for how, for how long. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it, it even also, like, the, the scripture I was talking about was Psalm 19.7, but um, it also kind of puts God's character into question as well. Like, so God can actually give us the gospel. He can he can turn dead men, open their eyes to trust in, in, in the gospel, which is obviously a miraculous work, but he can't preserve the scriptures. He, mm-hmm. he can't he can't keep us to the end with, with the means he's given us. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, again, it's like, what what God are we trusting in, basically? Are we are mm-hmm. we trusting in in a God that that can actually preserve His word through through mm-hmm. centuries and centuries of time? Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, that again is like, what you doing? But I'm gonna go to the guy that's actually in seminary. So um, I'm sure he knows, <laughs> knows way more than I, mean, I do. So. I think you guys have made really good points already. Um, so I will probably try and take a different approach. Somewhat, I mean, hopefully this is convincing. I, it's it's a little bit more experimental, of <laughs> of a, like a sociological approach to this question. Um, because I don't know where the particular person is coming from in this experience. But I would mm-hmm. say this, that to believe that the Bible is reliable, that the uh, scriptures are reliable, um, is, an, is an inherently Christian belief, um, s- similar to and like the way a Muslim would say the Quran is the word of God. Um, and I think one way to to think about this is to say um, there is actually nothing too outlandish or particularly shocking for someone who says I'm a Christian to then say in the next breath who believes that the Bible is the word of God. Um, and so the, the the real question is why why do you think that Christianity can be divorced from a from a belief in essentially the book that that grounds it. Even yeah, the word Christian right comes from the Bible. <laughs> um, all of the historical, theological um, works that have ever been written are all pointing back to the Bible. The initial creeds of the early church, the Apostles' Creed, Nicene Creed, they're all expositions of the Bible. Um, Augustine's works, uh, um, John Chrysostom, like you, you go through every christian whether lutheran reformed um pentecostal anglican they're all they're all tied to this book um so the real question is why do you um sir or madame um think (laughs) madame (laughs) i love it i love it sorry that you can step out of what is essentially two thousand years of assumed christian history um and so that's a little bit more like out of the actual debate itself. But just to say that, that yeah, that although you can be a Christian and deny the scriptures reliability, I guess the follow-up question is, what does it mean to be a Christian mm-hmm. who doesn't think that the foundational documents are true? Mm. Like, what does it mean to be American who says the constitution is wrong? What does it mean to be um a muslim who says the quran is wrong like that is that the, the real question is how does that work in your mind um i mean obviously i think we'd argue it doesn't work like you both presuppose the other if you believe the bible is the word of god then you believe in christianity and if you're a christian 
that assumes that what is written um, that has been held by the Christian faith across the world, across time, is true and worthy of actually being followed and adhered to in a very serious sense. Mm. Yeah. And then the next, the, there's two questions that says, would you say the Bible is perfect? So is that, a, that's a yes from both of you guys? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I would only caution it by saying we need to be um, careful by what we mean by the word perfect. <laughs> so I think there are modern, you know, ideas of perfect that will include, um, one example that comes to my mind, I mean, I'm sure there are more, out there um but just even the way you think about um modern measurements and scientific measurements mm -hmm. if, if someone says oh um you know i threw the perfect um ball i was thinking of baseball that's wow wow come and see america <laughs> that's why I, uh, like, I, I scrambled up my thoughts should, and I started thinking in terms of baseball and I was like no I need, to, I need to switch that up so let me just let me use another example <laughs> football, football that's actually, what we want that's what we want you can say football you can say cricket nah, ball not after let me help you cricket ball wow cricket ball is that you say cricket ball cricket ball nah sis it's called cricket cricket ball what's the ball though there's actually a ball oh yeah you go in the school, no, I said. Hey, sorry, tell your story, Israel. Tell your story, please. Israel, please continue. continue. This is um, <laughs> So, if I'm thinking of the, you know, the perfect long jump experience, I'm I'm thinking in terms of measurements. So, I, I use that example to say that the way we talk about perfect can include things that aren't included in the Bible. Um, the Bible doesn't have, for example, exact scientific measurements the way we do. It doesn't have kilograms, um, millimeters. So when it says that, uh, so when we read in our English translation that, uh, you know, Nineveh was this many miles away from Israel, um, we're talking about approximations. Uh, so so I, I, I use that as an example of, of saying that the way we think about perfect um, needs to actually cohere with wait, how perfect was understood in the original context. Yeah. Um, mm. So that means stepping back from 21st century, because the Bible wasn't written in the 21st century with our contemporary understandings of, of certain words. It was written, you know, you know over uh, five centuries um, across like multiple nations, 40 authors. Um, and so you're, you're having to really, you have to really pay attention mm -hmm. to the actual context. So when, David, for example, in the Psalms talks about the scriptures being perfect. Um, one of the defining central features of perfection in the Psalms is about morality. So it's, it's although it has other dimensions in the Old Testament, perfect is primarily moral. Um, and so when we speak about, when we read David saying, your laws are perfect, he's saying your laws are worthy of being obeyed because they, are, they guide the moral life of the human. Um, and so just, yeah, I'll, I guess that's all I have to say about the mm -hmm. word perfect. Just bearing in mind how perfect is understood when we actually read of it in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because there's no doubt that we'll, that we'll read things and we'll, and we'll struggle to reconcile them with other parts of the Bible, um, with the classic things that at the end of the Gospels, like what, what happened when. And, um, and I think, so I think yeah. it actually speaks to a heart disposition, a heart disposition that says, yeah, in some ways it is circular. This word is is 
is from God, revealing God as he intends to be revealed because he doesn't lie, it is true. And therefore, if I'm struggling to understand something or something's not adding up for me, that does A, it doesn't mean that my question is trash. Your question is not trash. But but B, I'm going to assume that the, that the issue is with me. There's something that I don't understand, something that I've not put together properly. Not that now this should be deleted from the text, um, which is actually, it's, it's about coming to the scriptures with a certain level of humility. And to, yeah, to understand that it's really in different contexts with different uh, ways. I think there was something, I remember I was talking to someone about something like um, at the seashore and just how they understood places in geography to other places. They mm-hmm. measured it from like a midpoint in the sea, not like from mm-hmm. one land to the other land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got you got to do work. But I, I think um, yeah. when we come to something, we read it, either we don't like it or we don't understand it. Um, the Christian's default should be to say, there's something that I don't understand, not that this is wrong. Um, mm, yeah. I think yeah. this is, it's actually a very significant issue because there's no, there's no, where do you stop? Um, yeah. Where do you, where do you stop with the things, with the things that you think are not a part of God's word? I was just thinking, cause again, I think the conversation is like the classic Old Testament, New Testament. Um, you, you carry on with that line of thinking. You start getting into the nature of the Trinity uh, you know, the God of the Old Testament, uh, Jesus in the New Testament, God is mean in the Old Testament, Jesus is nice in the New Testament. Mm. Uh, very um, mm. weak, weak reasoning. But then what we're going to say about the nature of the Trinity is, is God the Father and God the Son, are they odds with each other? And what do they present mm. differently? So I think it's it's, that, it's not um, an insignificant question. And I think that the number one starting point is, is a prayer that the Holy Spirit would be convicting us that this is God's word. It is a mm. work of the spirit, and B, and then a humility. Um, as yeah. we come to God's word, we expect there to be things that we don't understand. Expect there to be things yeah. that we don't like, because <laughs> our natures are fallen, and God is correcting us sometimes, often. Um, yeah. But yeah, coming with a humility that assumes the issues are my side and not not in the scriptures. So I'm going to mm. work harder. I'm going to work hard to understand what's going on. Mm. Yeah. I can't remember yeah. who's attributed to maybe Augustine or Anselm or Aquinas even, but the whole phrase, uh, faith-seeking understanding, uh, that is that we start from a posture of faith and pursue understanding. So we're not going to mm-hmm. shut down our brains and say we don't need to actually investigate mm-hmm. things or understand things, but we seek understanding from a position of faith. Mm. Um, I think that posture of faith-seeking understanding is is the way yeah. we should approach yeah. the scriptures. Very helpful. Definitely putting our trust in, in God, you know, when when Second Peter 1 talks about... Um, um, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Mm. It's this understanding, like the Trinitarian work in giving us the scriptures. Do we trust that? And that's that's the faith that that seeks to understand. Um, so yeah, very helpful, helpful mm-hmm. um, stuff, guys. Okay, next question: Does God forgive a person who's had an abortion? Does God yes. forgive a person who's had an abortion? It's a strong yes. Yeah, strong if, yeah. I mean. Um, God forgives all sins. If a mm-hmm. person repents and puts their faith in Christ, then their sins are forgiven. That's that's a part of its radicalness is just how exhaustively applic- applicable it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, part of what makes forgiveness so um, compelling and so attractive, and so much of what we need as humans is that it really does account for all our sins—not some, not half of them, but for all of them. And so, that would include abortion as well. Mm, yeah i think it's something that we do well to um, be more mindful of um yeah praise god that he is converting women at all stages in life and of course um 
given the statistics on abortion, it's it's reasonable for us to believe that, um, yeah, women in our congregations have had abortions. Um, and praise God that they're in God's house. Praise God that they're uh, that God has opened their eyes and opened their hearts to see Him and trust in Him. And so it's something. It's one of those things that it, it can be difficult to talk about um, because of the weight of it. Um, but having worked with women for a long time, I know that even pre-conversion, lots of women who have abortions, um, yeah, ca- carry a number of Im- emotions along with that. Um, and so it's something that I suppose in our pastoral work and our application of the gospel is something for us to speak to because it is the reality of lots of women in our in our congregations. And and um, and Israel's phrasing is so excellent on this. The application of the cross is so exhaustive, mm. uh, but it's not something that can be under... You, you, you can't you can't go too hard on it. You can't overemphasize the degree to which uh, the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient to cover all sin, past, present, and future. Um, yeah, we, and, and you can't overly overly state the degree to which when Christ died on the cross, he he knew the the things that we would be most ashamed of. Um, he knew the things that we would find most difficult to confess and and died for them for anyone who would put his put their trust in him. Um, and so it's it's. For whoever asked this question, if it was on their own behalf or the behalf of someone that's around them, uh, know that the gospel is sufficient for you. Specifically, the blood of Christ mm. is sufficient, and mm. um, yeah, the the foot of the cross is the place where yeah, praise God that that is the place where your sin was forgiven. And stay there, stay there, live there, set your house there. Um, obviously, rose again. So ever there were the two, you know, both we live, yeah. we live both. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, um, and praise God that um, yeah, that you're 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 yeah, he's given you grace to see his son to be forgiven um, and work hard to believe the verdict of Jesus's life for you. He's yeah, trusting in him. You are forgiven. Um, mm. and, and, and working with him. And I know that, that the guilt can something you feel to repent for every day. Know that you're forgiven. Know that you're forgiven. Um, and there'll be many times in life where, where you may mourn that where it will. Yeah, it will hit you again differently. Um, mm. That stage of life where it will come up again, again, the cross, you'll go to the cross, you're forgiven. Yeah. Uh, that is the, the gospel that the cross preaches. Um, yeah, and, and you're, in, you're in the right place amongst many other broken people with many other stories to tell. Um, it's a great question. It's something mm. we do well to be more mindful of um, in pastor and, and speaking to women and, and men. Obviously, it has implications for them too, but obviously, it's yeah, it women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All, I, all I'll just add is. Um, First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, I just love like the the wording of like he's faithful and just. Um, mm. like he he's he's merciful and he's just mm. as well. Like just again thinking of like just the, the gospel paradigms. But yeah, he, he can cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So yeah, yeah, helpful points. Um is what you're gonna say then? No, I I mean I actually really liked uh Gabby's last um comments about don't forget about the guy too which i think is mm-hmm, often yeah. is an often yeah. like on or even just not thought about kind of aspect mm. and um one saying that um for i don't have stats for this i shouldn't say a lot but i think a significant number of abortions are l- pushed for and led by the guy mm-hmm. um and in such cases that a guy needs to actually consider them that the guy needs to consider themselves truly um, complicit and involved in the abortion as well, not mm-hmm. just some like bystander, which then means third point, 
that they um, need to see themselves as um, as a, someone who needs the forgiveness the forgiveness of God yeah. Yeah. in every respect. The same way we would think about it for the woman, not in like some partial or oh, I only need it, you know, <laughs> less than a little bit less than the other. But like you are fully involved in this as well, and you need mm-hmm. to see that God offers you forgiveness for your actions as well. Mm. Yeah. Word. Word. Okay. Word. Next question. Having been away from my church for so long, physically due to COVID restrictions, how can I ensure that I'm a better servant to my church now that we are being allowed to return? Good question, man. Yeah. Mm. What are you saying, Mary? Um I think I think I read some really helpful threads um by a few people on on the Twitter sphere. Um, but I think it was all around adjusting to the new normal in terms of adjusting yeah. to what church life will be for the next couple of months until kind of COVID is behind us. Um, but still looking ahead to to the need to be together because I think a lot of people have been happy about okay, you know, technology is amazing. We can still have online sermons. Mm-hmm. We can still pray together. We can use Zoom and do all these different things. But it it doesn't replace the need to be physically together. Um, there's there's definitely something unique about believers being together in one place and of course we've all missed uh the blessing of taking the lord's supper for example um which again is just a, a picture sermon re- reminding us of of christ and it, you know we've been commanded to do it as often as we can so that's something that we, we can't get over zoom shout out to people who try to maybe post um <laughs> post the bread and the wine and try and do it over zoom it's not the same but yeah like so <laughs> as as we're as we're coming back into church and as we're being around people in whatever capacity that's going to look like I, I think what one thing to say is yeah just just be willing to to see the new ways in which you can serve so I, I could imagine for some people them returning back into church has it comes with with much anxiety maybe the last time they were in church um they hadn't lost someone or they they but they didn't even themselves go through the, the illness of COVID-19 or know people near to them so you know just you being on the lookout seeing okay how can I serve you know how if, okay there's someone who who might want to come to church but probably can't because of maybe an un- underlying health issue how yeah. can I be the one to, to to call them to pray with them to to visit them how can I be the one to 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 really um try to find the gap and, and find a way to really uh, support those who are adjusting to the new life people who are adjusting to the difficult life it is even being back mm-hmm. in the church so yeah i think what i would say is just looking for the new adjustments um that your your local church may have and finding ways to to serve others um who, who may be struggling with that hmm. i would probably add um some of the some of the uh struggles that your church might probably be having uh would range from um financial uh, pressure mm. uh especially if you you know in a medium-sized to large church you just won't be aware of the number of people that might have lost their jobs um that seemingly appear to have no impact on the church because they might they might not have announced anything um, but there might be a certain financial struggle so even considering what does it look like to within capacity um, obviously uh increasing the amount of money you give to your church um as a way of of seeking to to allow them to still have the same resources to be able to meet the needs of others in the community um and also reaching out i would hmm, this is this is not a hard a hard recommendation so if you still do it 
you know that's that's cool um but i want to be a little bit slow to advising that you like contact and reach out to the lead pastor of the church just because i think um in a time like this their hands are probably already really full and what i would actually recommend instead is reaching out to those who lead certain ministries in your church whatever that be um and so even thinking oh maybe i should um you know reach out to the children's director or the person that oversees our food shelter um what what are they thinking maybe they've talked to the the leadership team and they they are having you know these three or four plans as next steps and sort of like i guess it's, i guess essentially the middle leadership of the church um and seeing how you can support them in whatever capacity they need help in or they have available um i think that's a good way to to be involved um yeah those are, those are the two that that come to my mind straight away uh, i'm sure there are other things that are i'll add it to you very practical um yeah take that question is a good question how do i serve my church as we get back together take mm. social distancing serious. Um, mm. you serve your church really well by like yeah bringing your hand sanitizer washing your hands wearing your mask serve um, from a distance <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the ways that we should serve each other is by especially thinking about yeah I, I doubt the vulnerable will be gathering with us immediately but um yeah especially yeah just knowing the cross-contamination is real so one of the ways mm. that we serve is just by taking our own um precautions seriously um and that's not it's not it's not, it's not actually it's not minor it's, it's genuinely serving you're thinking about other people and serving them with their health, like something to take seriously. And I think Israel's point on like, um, yeah, feel free to not be on the line every day to your senior leader, eldership team, whatever. But I think I would so, 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 so encourage you to pray for them and encourage them. Um, yeah, I think I love texts that are like, this is encouraging. Feel free to not text back. Feel free not to enter mm. into now a back of dialogue. <laughs> know that you're doing a great job and we're praying for you this is not part of anybody's seminary training no one trained mm. this you train it you should do more two, two pastoral pastoral studies classes we need a few more in there but that's okay <laughs> no one trains you on how do you reorganize the chairs in your church to do social distance no one trains you right. on how do you help the elderly you don't yeah. really all they know is WhatsApp and conspiracy. How do you know them to get? How do you help them get onto the YouTube live? That's not that's that's not training. But we are really in uncharted territory, and so we're mm. grateful. Um, yeah, just so much wisdom for those in leadership and eldership in our church. And they are going to fumble the ball, and they are going to. And they've been like, yeah, if ministry was hard pre-lockdown, lockdown everything doubled. So they yeah, they're tired. Mm. Um, yeah, some of them had the holiday schedule. They didn't get on them. Yeah, pray for them and, enc- and encourage them. Uh, that's yeah. a real way you can serve, serve your church. Mm, yeah. And if, obviously thinking of the fact that even when we gather, it's not going to be the same. So, so yeah. still trying mm. to think of those who, who can't come out, um, yeah, yeah. those who, who, who would love to, but but that can't. So trying to yeah. just, yeah, just basically what Gabby said, what Gabby and Israel said. Yeah. Um, okay, next question. Um. Oh, where am I? See when you when you when you've lost the page. Okay, we go. <laughs> How can you encourage a friend struggling with depression? I can jump. In. I can get the ball rolling. Yeah, roll the ball. Roll, roll, roll the bar. Gonna, Hold on. What, what's the ball? Is it is it a cricket ball? Is it a basketball? Is it a baseball? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be a tennis. It's obviously ball. a baseball. <laughs> um. 
Um, the reality, yeah, there's there's lo- there's lots of things to say here. Um, practical practical things. Listen. Um, hmm. Yeah, listen. Listen really well. Listen. Give them space to lament. Um, to lament is not unchristian. Um, yeah, give give space for for their. Sometimes go and sit with them and uh, be quiet. <laughs> That's mm. also okay. Um, so yeah, there are practical things. Check. Yeah, have they got food in the fridge? I'm a practical. Yeah. I'm a very practical. Baby. Is there food yeah. in the fridge? Does their kitchen need a clean? Be a good friend and just sometimes stay out of their hair and go and tidy the living room. Like practical things, but obviously mm. um, speaking um, words of truth. I'm looking at my Bible. I think I've got the wrong passage. Let me see. Okay. Um, yeah, the the gospel the gospel is sufficient. And what does it mean to know? Um, yeah, that that their suffering is not outside of the scope of God's ear, um, mm. not outside of the scope of the gospel. That um, yeah, obviously there's different types of depression, but kind of the more extreme, lack, lacking chemicals, certain combinations of mm. chemicals in your body doesn't um, um, take away from your validity as a Christian. You're not a bad Christian. Uh, you're not a bad Christian. You're a Christian who's struggling, and that's low-key all about. Obviously, to a much more serious degree, um, doubt is not, I'm rambling at this point, but just like clocking them through, doubt is not an, an unfamiliar place for the Christian to be in. And often people, often friends have had that place of depression, that whether God can hear them, whether the, whether God can keep them. Um, so often often the good thing to do is, is often the painful thing to do, which is to say very obvious, obvious things. Uh, God is present with you in this. God is good. Not to hit anybody with a Bible. We need more nuance than that. But to, yeah, basic truths of the gospel. And I think, is it Psalm 88? Can someone confirm or deny? Um, I think you're talking about Psalm 88, yeah. I think I'm talking about Psalm 88. Psalm 88 is, is, um, is often a safe haven and, and a familiar friend for people who struggle with depression because it's quite unique in its structure. Often when David is struggling in the Psalms or lamenting, he's like um, lamenting, 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 going downwards. And then he remembers the truth about God and it goes back upwards, you know. You know, I was mm. worrying and then I saw that I was wicked and then I rejoiced. <laughs> it goes down, down, mm. down. Some sort of truth takes a grip of him and it goes back up. And sometimes that's our experience. We're struggling mm. with something in a dark remember something true about God and it does it does lift us but um I think this is fantastic about God's word it does speak to all of our experience Psalm 88 is interesting because it goes down 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 there's no resolution in it and that's sometimes where people that have been in the place of depression in there for a prolonged amount of time um yeah sometimes those like oh and then it was all okay Psalms yeah that's not where I am that's, I'm still on the way down, and Psalm 88 is that you, you, your experience is here, um, and and God, it's, the Psalms are prayers by Christians given by God to His people, and this is a prayer for you in that place. Um, Psalm 88 ends. Um, darkness is my closest friend. The end. Mm. <laughs> that's the end of it. That's the end of it. Um, and the thing that's interesting about the Psalm is that in that place of darkness, um, He brings that darkness to the Lord. Uh, he doesn't. The, the the concern is if that darkness kind of um put, t- you turn away from the Lord, the, the Christian is free to in that place of darkness go to the Lord, go mm. to the Lord with it. Um, and so Psalm eighty eight um yeah is a good one to have in your back pocket and to remember much more quickly than I did. Um yeah to to read through with 
with friends and, and I've um, yeah, been in situations where I've read it and it's and it's uh, it's an encouragement to see your feelings articulated in God's word in a way that you would even struggle to articulate them. Mm. Um, hopefully I've got the ball rolling. Yeah, Feel yeah. free to catch that. The ball's on fire, to be honest. So I'm going to let Israel, <laughs> Israel catch it. <laughs> no, that was, that was like really good. I think I would say yes and amen to every single thing that Gabby said and... Um, would recommend that as well i think you know some other uh uh, two other things to to throw out there as well would be one to pray for them and to let them know that you are praying for them um as a way of continuing to show support and encouragement um and i think at their at their readiness um being available to signpost them to uh the kinds of needs they have in a particular moment so if when and if they are ready to like pursue counseling or some sort of therapy um to say hey let's you know look for one together and just to essentially journey with them at their pace uh, mm. through the experience and just being on hand to to help make that process easier where possible or where you're capable of making it easier for them um so the, yeah those are the two i'd probably just throw out there as well mm. um only thing i would add is just um definitely being patient as a friend i think for me sometimes when mm. someone tells me something like oh i've lost my job i'm a quick fixer so i'm like yeah apply for mm. jobs see you next week whatever but with with depression it's, it's definitely going to be something that it may be seasonal but also may be permanent so definitely being mm. you know praying for grace to to be someone that is that is consistent um not just a day a month but for for the foreseeable future and finding ways like Israel and gabby have rightly said to, to serve and, and to be a close friend um oh. yeah two last things i think it it's important for us to say um it's okay to go to the doctor encourage like mm. obviously like, we want to pray we want to look at the gospel but that that has a there's a right place alongside that of course to say let's go to the gp um uh, medication is not forbidden <laughs> and we're thankful for access to resources that we have and so we should um yeah make the most of them um yeah we christians we don't want to be skeptical about the reality of, of of mental health um want to take it seriously not in, in all its forms and so yeah where's appropriate talking therapy um yeah medication cbt all of course um th- through a christian worldview and, and understanding those things well as we use them final thing i'd say um let me recommend a book there's a guy who i've got so much respect for for a number of different reasons called mark menor um he's an absolute yeah, yeah. You know, just like, oh, that's, a, that's my guy like he's just a good guy um <laughs> one of the most intellectual bright capable um personable men i know but also has mm-hmm. suffered with depression in ongoing ways uh, for many years married two grown-up kids my guy anyway he wrote a book called <laughs> when doctor sees my Christmas friend um just mm. about his experience in Christian leadership, uh, used to, used to work at All Souls Langham Place, and now mm-hmm. works as like Langham Langham um, preaching yeah. partnership, like, yeah. international stuff. Um, so yeah, so like a really thoughtful Christian and wrote a book. Yeah, and there's a lot, there's lots of literature, but yeah, I'd recommend. I reckon him. But that's uh, when darkness seems my closest friend. Uh, probably a good place to start. Um, thinking that through either for yourself or for somebody else you're walking with. Mm. Mm. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. 
I was going to ask you another question, but we'll, we'll leave it there. We'll save it for next time. But now, Israel, mm. again, like, good good hearing you. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I was glad to be, I'm glad to be back on after, after I think, a, a good while. Yeah. Was it like 14 episodes? Yeah. Like nearly a year, basically. Crazy. Yeah, nearly a year. But yeah. Thanks, guys. I appreciate that. Guys, send us more questions if you can. Um, we've got a few more questions that we'll get around to in the next episode. But yeah, guys, feel free to send us some questions, some dilemmas, everything like that. But yeah. Mm. This is Black Berea. Bye. Bye, y'all. Peace.